You are about to listen to a podcast that is intended for, well, not mature audiences, but certainly adult audiences. So parents, please take a moment to shuffle your kids out of the room or stop listening to it in front of them. We'll give you a moment. Okay, with that out of the way, let's get started with the broadcast. Hello and welcome to Words Between Friends, the podcast where we prove that you don't have to have a fancy diploma, extensive training, or quote-unquote expertise to talk about the English language and specifically the origin of unique English expressions we hear every day, or maybe every other day for those of us who aren't great listeners. I am your host, Malcolm Fleshner, and joining me is my co-host and cater cousin, which is a word I just recently learned that means close friend, Kurt Wolfram. Kurt is also, as avid fans of the show already know, one of my severest critics. But I'm sure you'll have nothing but heaps of glowing praise for me today. Right, Kurt? Where's the beef? (laughs) Always with the timely references. So the way the show works is that both Kurt and I bring well-known English expressions to share, but without informing the other which phrases we've brought to talk about. We each then try to puzzle out the meaning and origin of the other's idiomatic expressions. At least that's the plan. What actually happens? Well, we'll all find out together, I guess. So let's get started. This week, Mercury is in retrograde while the moon is in Cancer. So that means I think it's my turn to go first, right? Nano, nano. Yeah. (laughs) That is an actually even older reference. After nano, nano, you go to uh, up your nose with a rubber hose and then sock it to me. These are all going to be TV references. Then dating back. Were there catchphrases on like Andy Griffith? Not that I know. Straight to the moon, Alice. That's one. So I'm sorry if I stole yours. Okay, so I'm going to go first, right? We're we're cool with that. And my departure from our usual track is that instead of bringing English expressions and you try to figure out what their origin are, even though we generally know what they mean, is that I have chosen, and this was inspired by you, actually, a series of just individual words that have changed their meaning over time. And so whatever we have come to know these words to mean today not what it was originally. And I think it started with you mentioning the word lollygag, right? Am I correct about that? Uh, that would have not been me, yes. Yes, it was you. What was it about lollygag? You mentioned what the lollygag obviously means to dawdle, to take your time about something, but originally it meant something very different and it had a somewhat risque meaning, didn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, when you think about it, obviously the gag and, and lolly. Oh my goodness. This is supposed to be a family-friendly show. What if I forgot to put the disclaimer on this week? Okay, well, we won't explore that any further then, and we'll just start. So I'm going to give you the word, and we all know what this word means now, but I want you to guess what maybe one or of many of its original meanings was, and the word is nice. What did nice originally mean? We know it today to mean friendly or genteel or pleasant in some way. But what did it originally mean? I put it to you, Kurt Wolfram. What do you think? Yes, uh, when you were gagging uh, your friend Lolly back (laughs) in the day, uh, it was nice to do it accurately and well. Okay, I'm not sure I even understand what that means, but I'll give it to you because actually, as I discovered in researching the origin of nice, it meant like a billion different things. So here, I will just tell you. And I got this from Mental Floss, for those who want to check my sources. A few centuries ago, if a gentleman called a lady nice, she might not know whether to flutter her fan or slap his face. Nice entered English via Anglo-Norman from classical Latin necius, meaning ignorant. 
Then it wandered off every which way. From the 1300s through 1600s, it meant silly, foolish, or ignorant. So it maintained the ignorant meaning for a few hundred years. During that same time period, though, it was used with these unrelated or even contradictory meanings. One, it meant either showy and ostentatious or elegant and refined. So those are opposites. Particular in matters of reputation or conduct or wanton, dissolute, and lascivious. Ooh, that's very nice of you. <laughs> it meant cowardly, unmanly, or effeminate. It meant slothful, lazy, or sluggish. It meant not obvious, difficult to decide, or intricate. So these are all things that nice meant at different points and different places. You had to discern from context, clearly, what people were saying. By the 1500s, nice came to mean meticulous, attentive, sharp, making precise distinctions. By the 18th century, it acquired its current and rather bland meaning of agreeable and pleasant, but other meanings hung on just to keep things interesting. So that's the history of nice. And I was thinking, I was trying to think of expressions where we use nice that might still call back to that, to an earlier meaning. And so one of them was uh, nice and easy, like nice and easy, take it easy, nice and easy. And that might mean more of its sort of meticulous, attentive definition. Because if you say nice and easy, like when someone's backing up a truck or load something, you're not suggesting they be pleasant in their manner as they do it. You're suggesting that they be careful. But I, I would like to go back to the definition or at least assume that people are using the definition of the original definition of ignorant, where they use the word nice. So like when you go to the store and someone tells you, you know, have a nice day, it just means keep on being an ignoramus. And uh, so whenever, whenever and when I say it, oh, aren't you so nice? You know, things like that. Okay, that's nice. <laughs> Isn't it though? <laughs> or if it means ignorant, then when you say to someone, all right, no more Mr. Nice Guy. And then you go and like open a book to study calculus uh, or research the, the history of the Roman Empire. No more Mr. Ignorant Guy. I'm going to well, bone up and get smart. Right. Well, this, uh, this reminds me of your passive aggressive way of insulting people, which is nice. <laughs> it reminds me of that uh, that we probably talked about in one of these other uh, podcasts. But a guy ro uh, ran a successful uh, senatorial campaign in the state of Florida, I believe, in the 50s by referencing the fact that his opponent was a known masticator. <laughs> and that his brother was a homo sapiens. <laughs> yeah, you can't take a chance with somebody like that. I, <laughs> and nice, it's such an interesting word. It has all these different meanings in the past. And we've chosen collectively to go with the most boring one, which I think is too bad, which is why I want to bring back ignorant. <laughs> Isn't yeah. that nice of you? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty nice. Well, I, you know, I would uh, reflect the fact that we use nice often with somebody when we don't know them very well, like they're in our, our circle of acquaintances or somebody we've met. We go, oh, they, they seem nice. He's a, he's a real nice guy. Because my experience tells the more I get to know any one person, I'm like, well, let me tell you about their faults. <laughs> you know, I can, I can tell you. Not so nice. I used to think she was really nice. <laughs> yeah. But now yeah. I think she's yeah, in the current meaning. But now I realize she's actually really nice in the old meaning of yeah. wanton, dissolute and lascivious. What you're looking to do is to be able to insult people in such a way they don't know right. instead of calling them a masticating troglodyte. You just want to say it instead of just doing what the rest of us do is just think bad thoughts about people all the time in our heads. Mm. Well, I do that also. And, but I, I okay. like the idea like you're setting somebody up on a date and I was like, oh, what's she like? Oh, she's very nice. And then the date is over and 
your friend is like, you said she was really nice. I assumed you meant wanton, dissolute, and lascivious. But in fact, you meant not obvious, difficult to decide, intricate. So, you know, I, I made a pass at her and she slapped my face. How dare she? I thought she was nice. And it turns out she's nice. I like the idea that uh, when we're young men, and this is not for the women out there, because I know you're not interested in us, that uh, all we want is uh, women to behave with us in a certain manner until the time that we want to go steady with them. And then we absolutely don't want them to do that with anybody else anymore. Because <laughs> that would not be nice. No, it's not nice at all. So the flip side of the dating situation is that her friend who set her up with you said, oh, he's very nice. And she's like, came back and you're like, you said he was nice. And I, th I thought you meant elegant and refined. And she's like, oh, no, no, I meant slothful, lazy, sluggish, nice. Oh, <laughs> oh. I guess it turns out that nice, if you take all of its meanings over time, it's essentially like Smurfy. Whoever the genius was uh, in the writing staff for the Smurfs, who wanted to not have to put in a full day every day, thought, if you're ever searching for a word and you can't think of the right word, go with Smurfy, because it means everything. Yeah, they Smurfs. have the Bible for every show, you know, they, they call the show yeah, the Bible. Right. And they're like, well, that was Smurfy. What did he mean by that? <laughs> Wait, he said I was nice and Smurfy. I, you know, <laughs> I, I can't figure this guy out. It could be anything. One time uh, I was uh, particularly... Uh, uh, let's just say intoxicated in one shape, manner, or form. And I happened to tune to uh, an episode of Smurfs. And in my state, although I think it was kind of a real thing, here's how I observed the conversation to go between the Smurfs. Brainy Smurf and uh, and Hefty Smurf. Well, there, uh, Hefty, it sure is a Smurfy day out there, but uh, I don't know if we're going to get this Smurfer over <laughs> the Smurfing that we have to do. And then Hefty was like, well, that's pretty Smurfy, Brainy. Uh, but I think Smurfette and I need to get Smurfy later. And I, you know, I know I'm exaggerating, but in my state that I was in, it felt like every other word. And I was like, wow, they're really, they've really jumped the shark on this one. Hey, Handy, I caught you and Smurfette Smurfing the other day. That was pretty <laughs> Smurfy of you, you Smurfy Smurf. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't take long to get into the uh, lewd and mysterious <laughs> category. It's just, it's eventually like later seasons when they got super lazy. The writing was just like Smurf, 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 Smurf. <laughs> Listen, you got to drop a preposition in there somewhere, too. And Jaron, Smurf. Gargamel's yeah. like, Smurfy, Smurf, Smurf, Smurf. And Azriel's like, Smurf. She's not even meowing. She's just saying Smurf all. <laughs> this is great because I know uh, already of the unbridled hostility that exists between us. And now I have to add this every time you say, oh, that's nice. For years from now, I'll just be like, oh, okay. You have material for me, too. And I am eager to be put on the spot. I know I confront you with these things and I relish it. But I know you you similarly have a nice time whenever you give me a hard time. So let's hear it. What do you got for me? Okay, so as we all know, the Super Bowl is played every year. And uh, this year, it's between the Cincinnati Bengals and the uh, Los Angeles Rams. Right. And um, everybody likes to uh, prognosticate. And I'm no different. And uh, so in honor of that game, I have some phrases that uh, have to do with that sport. Okay, football-related phrases is your theme for the day. As, as so it is. So the first one for you uh, is relatively easy to define, as many as, the, as these are, and then we're going to give you a crack at figuring out the origin of it. So okay. the word is touchdown. All right, touchdown. Now, that's when you put the baseball through the basket and the cheerleaders do like a split and the mascot comes out and moonwalks. That's in sports ball. Yeah, you have it absolutely right, according to my Aunt Edna. 
So yeah, so the, okay, so touchdown, I believe. I mean, we all know what, what a touchdown is, but I believe it comes from the early days of the sport. And much like in rugby, when you cross into the end zone to score, you would have to maintain possession of the ball as you placed it on the ground or touched the ground with it. So you would have to touch the ball to the, the field surface in, in order to accrue the requisite points. Is that not, not correct? That's nice. It was a nice guess. It's important to remember uh, whether it's true or not that a lot of these sports uh, that we observe today, especially football and uh, rugby, as you mentioned, we're going to talk about, have all evolved from the Mayan and the Aztec of where they used to take the enemy's heads or whoever was, you know, low man on the totem pole and uh, use that in a game that essentially resembles lacrosse uh, with a hoop at the end, sort of like uh, the Harry Potter game, you know, with the hoops. And instead of the bludger and the beater, you'd have the severer and the passer of the head and not only was there, but it was also in Arabia, they did this as well, whereas the Native Americans just uh, use the testes and they use the rest of the uh, victim because they like to use all of the body. Right. Sure. The Native Americans were legendary for that. Not It wasn't just the buffalo. It was also they played games with every single body part of their enemies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was pretty great playing rock, paper, scissors with them. <laughs> yeah, wait a second. That's that. That's no good. You play the hokey pokey with him. It was the same thing. In oh, right. Hey, you got too many right feet there. Anyway, it's it's useful to remember that, and that sports is a way for people to work off your aggression in a sort of socially acceptable way. Yeah, uh, we do it through this podcast and yelling at one another. Yeah, road uh, other rage. Pe- yeah, other people do it with WWE, uh, fentanyl, uh, heroin, uh, dog fighting, dog biting. You know, I, here's my thing. I think if you get arrested for participating in a dog fight or spectating, your sentence should be to fight an actual dog. Okay. <laughs> you know, like one of the dogs from the dog fight and see how you do. <laughs> well, the, the question is, why is the dog being punished? You know, like, no, I mean, the dog's What did the win. dog do that it's like, all right, no, the dog similarly was judged as adjudicated in some sort of dog court where the other dogs were like, all right. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, imagine to make it, I imagine to make it fair that we will bind your feet and legs and then you can fight them. So yeah. uh, are you going to tell me where touchdown comes from? Or no, is I'm, just... sur- I'm surprised I'm not a judge yet, though. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Because if I were a judge, that would be a good, good punishment, don't you think? Well, that I, I'm not sure if they select judges based on the creativity of their <laughs> sentences. So back to touchdown is from uh, 1864. It, it comes from originally rugby, you were correct, where the ball is literally touched down on the other side of the goal. So when did they start spiking the football? When did that, that happen? There's like somebody who did that first, you know, or the first person who, you know how if you spin a football really fast, it goes and spins up on its tip. Somebody did all of these things first. Like the first person to ever do an end zone dance. Somebody had to do it or had to originate. It's like even the high five. They've tracked the history of the high five and some teammates are doing something. Or the wave, you know, the wave in stadiums, like they they track that to like University of Texas or Wisconsin. or It's all over the world. American culture, we get disparaged for all the horrible, horrible things that we do and uh, imperialism and so on and so forth. We, We deserve more credit for the wave. Well, you know, I came up with that phrase, whatever. <laughs> well, you know, I am telling people that I'm responsible for when you add someone to an email chain, when you start the email by saying with the plus and then their, their name, I'm telling people that I was the first to do that because there's well, there, no way of checking. 
I'm convinced I have come up with things that have gone into the uh, parlance, and there's no way to prove one way or the other. However, I just like to uh, say that I came up with that. I also invented the turboprop airplane. <laughs> turboprop. You know, I've been attempting, as you know, to get into the common parlance, the expression uh, paying my bills and taking my pills for when people ask how I'm doing. And my daughter tried that on a dating app. Somebody asked how she was doing, and she used it, and he didn't respond at all. You know, she was like, just taking my bills and paying my bills. How about you? And he was like, oh, I have to work today. And she was like, oh, come on. Give me something. All right. So that brings it back to my turn, I believe. And the next word that I have chosen for you to tell me the origin, this isn't really a word that has changed in meaning. It's back to the origin, but I do find it amusing. And the, the last one I have will, is a, a meaning change. But uh, this is the, the word broad used to describe a woman. And where does it come from? It's not an obvious one. It's not doesn't lend itself to the idea, of, oh, in the various disparaging terms for women. Skirt, you can see why that would be. Doll, that would make sense. Dame is a little more of a stretch, but it makes some sense. But broad, why do we call women, in a disparaging way, broads? What do you think? Well, I mean, when we say we, I assume <laughs> you mean you, because I would like to, yeah. So, um, right, because you would you would never ever right 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 listen my so bet, ill of a, yeah yeah it's a, my it's bet, a very coarse term yeah yeah uncouth my, yeah my Betty's and I we got it going on <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, yeah I don't know this is a good the point you but you, you skip past the definition if you said what's the definition of broad I would have said you know expansive wide sure much like my mother in law <laughs> so I, I take it it's it isn't to do with fat. Because like the, the fat lady things. No, I know what it is. This is unfair because I actually have this. Uh, when you're sailing, uh, there's a beam reach and then there's a broad reach. Mm -hmm. And when you're doing the broad reach, you're sort of going uh, away from the wind. And uh, uh, with women who are garrulous and uh, pedantic and nice, you want to be out of their reach when they start throwing pans and uh, and, and uh, rolling pins Dishes. and whatnot. Right. And, and it used to be broad reach which was uh, Cockney slang for teach, and then it just got shortened to broad. <laughs> right, because women were predominantly teachers. That makes sense for those who know what Cockney rhyming slang is from our previous episode. That's not 100% correct, although I do like your reference to the iconic image of the overbearing wife chasing around her husband with a rolling pin, because that's one of those iconic images that I think is probably lost on current generations. Like, as we have discussed, the man who is impoverished has turned to wearing a barrel with just straps to hold it on. You know, that means that you're in the poor house or that you've gone bust. I, I think that iconography is probably lost on the current generation. And I think we lose something with that, but they also probably didn't watch the Smurfs. So they're losing out in all sorts of ways, but they have TikTok. So uh, no, let me give you what broad is. And I get this from the website todayifoundout.com, the origin of the term broad. Broad as referring to a woman rather than something with great breadth, which you referenced earlier, has slightly uncertain origins. It first popped up being used this way in the very early 20th century. Theories as to its origin include simply referencing a woman's broad hips, or perhaps from the American English, a broad wife, which was a term for a slave woman, or just a woman who was separated from her husband. Ooh, she's a, she's a broad wife. Uh, I don't see her husband around. Let's uh, go chatter up. Getting back to the definition. Another popular theory is that it came from a slang term for a ticket, such as a train ticket, a meal ticket, a sporting event admission ticket, etc. This slang term became common around 1912, and by 1914, 
Broad was being used, among other things, to refer to a prostitute, thus a pimp's meal ticket. Broad possibly came to mean ticket from the 18th century practice of sometimes calling playing cards broads. This derives from the fact that in the early 20th century, many types of tickets often resembled playing cards. This theory is attested in the 1914 work of vocabulary of criminal slang by Jackson and Hellyer, where they define broad as noun, current amongst genteel grafters chiefly. A female confederate, a female companion, a woman of loose morals. Broad is derived from the far-fetched metaphor of a meal ticket, signifying a female provider for a pimp from the fanciful correspondence of a meal ticket to a railroad or other ticket. Whatever the case, when Broad first showed up as referring to a woman, it generally was used to signify a prostitute or immoral woman. <gasps> Shocking. This gradually changed somewhat in the century since, with Broad slowly coming to be less used as a derogatory term and more used just to be synonymous with woman. Although, come on. <laughs> Who are we kidding here? One of the earliest instances of this was in the 1932 Guys and Dolls, where one character refers to another as a broad without any negative connotation. And then this is the, the part that's most fun for me. Before 1967, a track and field long jump was called a broad jump. However, due to broad being seen as an offensive term at this time, and the fact that women were competing in broad jumps, the term was changed to long jump. <laughs> so political correctness is not a, a new phenomenon. I was hoping it would say originally the broad jump was so-called because you would be trying to jump across as many women lying next to each other as possible. Like, you know, I cleared 20 women in the broad jump, but it was always very difficult to get uh, any a woman to agree to be the last one. <laughs> so that's broad. Okay, well, uh, well done. And the idea that it could not be derogatory in uh, today's uh, parlance, uh, I would uh, suggest to our listener that next time he's out at dinner or something, uh, he introduces his companion and say, oh, yeah, and this broad here is my wife. Sure. Yeah, so that broad, Yeah, definitely. Refer to women as broads universally and uniformly and see how they react. They'll assume that you think that they should be jumping, that they're just jumping. You know, jumping, that was a popular 40s and 50s expression for meaning something was really hot if it was jumping. But yeah, but I do like, I think it's amusing that they, they had to change the broad jump because women, <laughs> like, like if you're announcing it and it's the women's broad jump, the, the women are competing in the broad jump and you're like, oh, uh, well, if this is the broad jump. What do they call it when the men do it? <laughs> you know? <laughs> I don't know why I find that so amusing. <laughs> like you're announcing the Olympics, like, oh, it's time for the broad jump. And here come the broads. The first broad competing in the broad jump is, uh, you know, Denise Wexler from Canada. <laughs> if you haven't seen a broad jump, she's pretty impressive. I don't know, maybe that's just me. I guess it's just me. Uh, yeah. I remember they used to have the hoedown, too. Yeah, that's right. The hoedown. And then the, the men come out. It's like, wait, even before there were all these questions about trans women competing in the Olympics and, and other events, you had men competing in the broad jump. It's like, hey, wait a minute. What's going on here? You can't compete in the broad jump. <laughs> you should be in the sausage hang jump. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's on the other side of the field over there, pal. Nice try, though. Is, is pole dancing in the Olympics yet? or <laughs> The Olympics have just concluded and the Winter Olympics... And I'm always fascinated by the biathlon because they, you know, it combines cross-country skiing and shooting, which is just seeming like two semi-random things. But, uh, you know, what you're suggesting is that you could incorporate that into the pole vault. If you know you're not going to clear it, then you just come down the pole spinning, and then you still get some style points, maybe. <laughs> yeah, uh, if, you're, if you're sexy enough, if you're abroad. <laughs> the broad jump, the pole dance, the hoedown, we have a whole separate set of Olympics. 
Yeah, they should have that, the Sax Olympics. You know, the, that'd be good. The skirt chase. I know you would be good in that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's broad. And it came to mean, you know, you were some broad was your meal ticket. Not that this would apply to your life in any way, but having a woman who would be paying Okay. For- All right then. That's I'm sorry, what? The FCC has come down on me and just said that you have to stop the podcast now. I'm sorry. That's just how it goes. <laughs> All right. Well, that's all I have to say about broads. You, you're up. You have the next word and you seem to be following a football theme. Is that going to continue or no? Uh, yes. I'd like to introduce the uh, Statue of Liberty play at this point oh, the and then uh, just keep mentioning it again and again and again. <laughs> See, that's because, but most people don't know that you are such a huge fan of the old Statue of Liberty. That you, you harbor this hope, this ambition to one day coach at the professional level, but probably you'd have to start earlier in the high school level or peewee, maybe the lingerie league, uh, but to run the Statue of Liberty play over and over and over again as your only play. And there's a certain genius to it, I have to admit. Well, it's a long-held desire of mine. I think I'd have to own the team so then I could coach so that you know no one could fire me. If I'm the coach, I could be fired. But if I own the team, right. then I'll just tell the coach, hey, I'm sitting here for the season. And the thing is, it's because I'm immature and I still watch football to this day. And I love to watch the trick plays. And there's a part of me that still is that like eight-year-old kid that's like, why are you running it down the middle? That's dumb. Do a trick. I want to see them lateraling like every play. You know, I want lateral to be part of every single play. Just I don't care if you're on the 10-yard line or you're, you're first and goal at the two. I want a lateral even if you go back to the other two, 98 <laughs> yards back. You know? So you, you treat every play, of- you could treat every play as if it's the last play of the game and they kicked right. off and the time has elapsed and now as soon as the ball is dead, the game is over unless you score. And so they do the you know right. 30 laterals, which is it's just very exciting to watch. Yeah, no, it's 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 very cool. And I think some of the teams actually caught on to this because they did that hurry up offense because they started to go, boy, we're real productive when there's only two minutes left in the half or at the end of the game. Why do we do so much better? So they tried to emulate that, you know, artificially. But of course, when I play defense, I do the trench defense where I have the guys dig a big trench, uh-huh. which is not technically against the rules. Mm. yet. So I, I have them just scuff up with their cleats and make a big trench until they change the rules. The idea is I want to own a team and I want the league to have to change the rules in the middle of the season mm. because of my action. I like the idea of you setting up a, a tiger trap in the middle of the field, though. You know, <laughs> the, the runners in the open field, just, ah! <laughs> Fall, falls on a series of sharpened spikes. <laughs> it's not specifically against yeah, the Yeah, no, there's nothing in the rule. But it's just like Air Bud, you know? Like, <laughs> or Teen Wolf. I don't know. You know, That's the, the classic moment in the, you know, the, the, where the opposing coach is with the referee feverishly looking you know, through it. It's like, well, there's nothing that says a dog can't play basketball. You know? <laughs> there's nothing that says a donkey can't kick field goals, you know? <laughs> yeah. There's just the rule book, the NFL. It's like a tome by now. Yeah. And then uh, like, you know, I'm like, is there anything in there about uh, dart guns, tranquilizer <laughs> yeah. dart guns? There's nothing here that says a badger can't play wide receiver. <laughs> just, just like you just, a, you just bring a series of zoo animals in, you know, there's nothing in the rule book that says an actual zebra can't be an official. <laughs> yeah. 
So I don't know if we've covered this, but what tickles me about this is it's Statue of Liberty play is an example. It could be any of these trick plays, but the Statue of Liberty play is famously like the quarterback goes back and the, you know, there's somebody runs around and grabs it or whatever. Uh, you know, then he can act like he's throwing. They could grab it while right. he's, you know, he's got his hand cocked back. And before this podcast, I looked on YouTube and it was actually done successfully a few times in like the college game and things. Mm-hmm. And one time they won like a bowl game. Yeah, that's the Bo- know, Boise was, State. Was, it, Boise State beat Oklahoma yeah. State. Uh, using the, the old yeah. Statue of Liberty. And you can't call it the Statue of Liberty. You have to call it the old Statue of Liberty. Oh, there you go. The old Statue of Liberty. There you go. And so the part that tickles me is that you run the first play of the first game of, of the season, and everyone's like, ah, ha, ha. And then you run it the second play. <laughs> and everyone's like, huh, that's interesting. And then you run it the third play, and they go, hmm. You know, <laughs> like, And then you punt, because obviously it doesn't go anywhere, right? Would you punt, or would you... <laughs> Would you insist on running the old Statue of Liberty on fourth down also? Uh, I'm not looking to make a mockery of the game, thank you very much. You know, I think if you don't punt, you don't make it out of the stadium. I mean, there's something like the mob rules, right? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if it's a home game, I got to punt at least, right? So then I punt, you get the ball back, and the announcers are just like, huh, that was interesting. You know, I've been broadcasting for 40 years. I've never seen a a quarterback go up and just slap a ref. Just bitch, you know, just slap a ref and go back to the, and then win the game. Yeah, that's right. Not even get ejected. Win the game. <laughs> and then you get the MVP award. <laughs> Keep that whistle out of your motherfucking mouth. <laughs> so essentially you punt and you get the ball back. And at this point, the announcer was like, well, I got to tell you, Todd, I've been doing this for 25 years. I've never seen somebody run the statue. Anyway, let's get going here. They got the second series here. Here go the Bucks. Oh my God. It's the Statue of Liberty play again. That's a loss of 11. <laughs> And then the game, you know, it ends. You lose like 47 to nothing. Every Well, I, hang on a second. I want to know before we get to the end of the game, when you're on yeah. that first series and you come to fourth down, do you yeah. just straight up punt or do you set up like yeah. you're going to do the Statue of Liberty and then you do the Statue of Liberty, but you hand the ball off and then the guy punts it? <laughs> Let me ask you something. Are you available to assistant coach... Uh, after I buy the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, because I, I, a mind like yours, I could use. Yeah, we're going to be innovators. Not we're, we're going to be very specific kind of innovators, just with regard to the Statue of Liberty play. Yeah, I'll let you make the calls to my headset uh, direct from your house. You don't even have to leave the house, because that's what I always think. Like when I'm watching a ball game from the house with the TV, which is how most people watch it there, I feel like I know everything, and I'm like, oh, you should do this, you should do that, and often I'm right because I have the furthest away perspective. And, you know, they do this now; they put the offensive coordinators and the defensive coordinators up at the top of the stadium. I say, mm-hmm. let's do it one better. Let me just call plays from here. You know? Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I'll be like, as, I'll be like, Statue of Liberty. <laughs> like, what? Well, yeah. It's a, how complicated <laughs> is it going to be if you're calling for the Statue of Liberty every time? Although, I also like the added bonus that anybody who criticizes you, you can say that they hate America. Right, right. There you go in the press conferences. But see, the key is if I own the team, I'm not even going to go to the stadium. I'm going to do it all from the house. But can you imagine, though, in the real world, the press conferences, the outrage? I mean, after two or three weeks, you assume the team's going to lose. But of course, the other funny part is the announcers every time being like, well, there's no way he's going to do it again, Pat. Oh, my (laughs) God. You know, and then like second or third game, it's just it's worldwide outrage. They're like, we should ban them from the sport, you know, whatever. And you're like, and that's when you go on and I do a press conference and I have the NFL rule book and I'm like, nothing in the rules here says that I can't have a donkey kicking. <laughs> yeah, you should be lucky. I'm not bringing a donkey onto the field. I'm just running the old Statue of Liberty. And I'm not guaranteeing that I'm going to run it ever again. I might. I might not. I know it's been six <laughs> games. I run right, it every single right. offensive play. But 
It's yeah. my right as the owner of the team and the coach. The players are behind it. Let me tell you. Sure. It's like yeah, all the players the player, quit. The, the players, you're like, listen, we're going to get the number one pick next year. And, and I'm going to pick somebody who's going to be really good at running the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> anyway, so the, the, the actual term I have is the sack. You obviously know what that is vis-a-vis football. Right. The, the sack, I, I do know what a sack is when the quarterback is tackled for a loss, but I'm supposed to figure out why, why do they call it a sack? That is the question at hand. There are two theories. The one is that it's uh, got that name based on a traditional practice from the early days of football when, in addition to uh, tackling the quarterback, uh, that wasn't sufficient. The first celebration was to you bring a, a large burlap bag and stuff the quarterback into it and to add insult to injury you would tie him up in it and take him out of the stadium and hurl him into a nearby body of water that was discontinued soon after they they started running out of quarterbacks and they're very expensive apparently your quarterbacks are are tough to come by it slowed down the game considerably so they they made a rule change that you weren't allowed to do that so that that's one theory the other theory is i don't i don't think that's true man i don't i don't think that's actually true well i said it was a theory uh, you know, oh, just like, goodness. you know, gravity, it's probably not true. Evolution. <laughs> Who knows what's, what's true. But the other one is that it comes from the term, uh, you know, when you say you have a lot of sack, that implies that you're a real tough guy, you know. And so when you would sack the quarterback, like, oh, that guy's got a lot of sack. So that's the other theory is that it just comes from being really tough and, and having a, a lot of scrotum. It's, it sounds better than, than calling it a scrotum. He led the league in scrotums. Yeah. Yeah, when you hear John Madden talking about that and low-hanging balls, it's not good. It's not good. Yeah, batted uh, balls. Batted balls are my, my least favorite category in football. Yeah, yeah. So you should get more than 15 yards if you bat my balls. I'm telling you that much. Take you out, take you out in a sack and throw you in the Statue of Liberty while you're there. Yeah, at least buy me dinner first. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> take me out in a sack and buy me dinner. Yeah, both of them very good guesses. I love the idea of a sack. You know, you take the quarterback out, and again, you're sitting there. The the refs are all bemused, and they're just you take them out of the stadium through the parking lot and stuff. Everybody's waiting for to come back, and then the coach ambles over and goes, "Nothing in the rule book says we can't <laughs> kidnap the player, stuff the quarterback in a sack, and throw him into a river like a like some unwanted kittens." <laughs> I mean, sure, there are laws, but it's not specifically in these rules here. <laughs> you let that guy dig a ditch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Loophole football. Man. Yeah, it was a much looser game back then. You know, <laughs> this is what the XFL should do. Well, the Saturday Night Live did a real good thing of this with uh, Steve Martin, and they called him like Jim the Gun Morrison or something, and uh, they did it all in black and white. And Steve Martin was the quarterback, and they were like, hey, he's a fierce quarterback. And then uh, he got even tougher and more competitive when he started packing heat. And then it's like, <laughs> it's just Steve Martin. Like, the defenders are coming to shoot him. And they do these interviews like they do on, like, a PBS show. And they go back to, like, you know, whoever is, like, the fat guy, like Chris Farley used to be. That guy is on SNL. And he's like, well, of course we won uh, all our games that year <laughs> because the, the defense was real scared to try to pressure the quarterback there. <laughs> yeah, that's when you call a zone. We're going to... We're just gonna. <laughs> We're just gonna hang back. <laughs> yeah. See, these are all innovations into the game, and then yeah. you know, whenever you have an innovator, the league has to come along. Like, oh, no dancing in the end zone, you know, or whatever it is. They, yeah, the no yeah. fun league. They got to make a no fun. No shooting opposing players. I mean, come on, yeah. you know, let them play. Yeah. Let them yeah, play. That's no good. I I thought all these things like digging a ditch and, and carrying the guy in a sack and all this kind of stuff that should have been what the XFL was for. 
You know what yeah. I mean? Like XFL, the X was supposed to stand for extreme. And it's like, no, this is extreme. Bringing actual loaded weapons onto the field, that's extreme. Yeah. Uh, murdering yeah. the opposing quarterback by drowning him like Rasputin. <laughs> That's extreme. Yeah. Just, yeah, it, was a, it was just a flesh wound. Flesh wound, 15 yards. <laughs> yeah, oh, come on. What are you calling these ticky-tack files? He barely winged him. <laughs> <laughs> just winged the guy. Just... Uh, so, so you're saying that's not where Sat comes from. No, you were real close, though. It is, believe it or not, in actuality, tackling the quarterback while he has the ball behind the line of scrimmage was named a sack because of a player named Deacon Jones. Sure, 1970s, uh, Deacon Jones from the Rams. Yeah, and Deacon Jones came up with the phrase because it relates to the sacking of a city when it is devastating. Oh, so he's like the equivalent of the Visigoths or what have you. Actually, sacking a city is a relatively benign term for really is burning it, looting it, and raping all the women. I don't think that's what Deacon Jones maybe he met he meant it metaphorically well to be clear I mean I don't want to be politically correct but a lot of the men also get raped okay but that's not a part of the sack in football though <laughs> not, not as not as far as I know but again perhaps in the XFL now Bill I gotta tell you I've been commenting for 20 some years I've never seen a guy take the guy's pants off and just go at it <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he really, I mean, uh, you want a running back who can hit the hole pretty hard, but um, this is terrible. You're the, we are the worst. This is just, uh, I, that, that, I blame myself. Uh, yeah, I blame, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, I blame Will Smith. Deacon Jones, all he wanted to do Will. was, you know, engage in a very violent act against another man in a perfectly legal way, and now we have to ruin that. Yeah, that's all it is. That's all it is. I tell you, Bill, I've been uh, I've been announcing for twenty five years. I've never seen this kind of uh, this kind of uh, anal uh, penetration on the field there. Before. <laughs> I mean, but come on, we're all thinking it. When, when the... I mean, what is this? The Oscars? Where are yeah. we here? Is this the Oscars? Everybody, the first time they see a football game, they're thinking it a little bit when the quarterback sidles up to the center for the first snap. It's like, wait, what's about to happen here? <laughs> yeah, that is uh, that's always struck me as a bit gay there. No offense. It's, there's a, there's a I mean, homoerotic just, element to it. And, you know, I'll tell any football player that I come in contact with yeah. via Zoom or online and not in person, I'll, I'll tell them to their online face that they're engaged. Yeah, I'll tell any peewee football player that, you know, as long as they're not like past sixth grade. Or sure, something. there you go. So, well, th- you know, that's yeah. impressive actually for Deacon Jones because it is not easy to get a new word into the language to coin a phrase and get other people to say it and then have it become popularized. As we've discussed, my difficulty popularizing catchphrases, I've had zero luck. So credit to him, although he had the benefit of, like, if anybody didn't go along with it, he was 6'6 and 300 pounds and could, could wring their neck with just one hand, get his hand all the way around somebody's neck. That's the kind of encouragement that people maybe need. You know, I'm doing my part for you, brother. When I have to go to the bathroom in some sort of fine dining place, I'll stand up. There's like 12 of us the other night, and I said, excuse me, I have to go log off. <laughs> well, that wasn't one I was the most proud of, necessarily. Well, no, I just, uh, that's the one I keep going, though, just for you. I, just, I, was at, I was at church the other day, and the, the preacher was going on. I said, excuse me, I don't want to interrupt you there, parson. But I need to go log off. <laughs> well, that's the other thing about Deacon Jones is that he was a really intimidating 
mm. player, even though his name, you know, is a, a, a church official. It's not like Killer, Killer Kowalski. It's Deacon right. Jones, like, oh, the minister or the, you know. You know who also was pretty tough was uh, social worker Sanderson. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Macrame aficionado. <laughs> <laughs> I love that we're doing this show ostensibly for other people. I can't even get through it without cracking up about the idea of just like telling the preacher in the middle of the, excuse me, I got to go log off. Hold your place in the Bible there. I don't attend church regularly, but my sense is that it's not like elementary school classroom where you have to alert the teacher that you need to go to the bathroom. No, I just think it goes with the phrase. I mean, you know, to me, it's not enough to say, you're, I only do it at like fine dinners, museums. Embassy functions, audience with the Pope. Award shows. Yeah, award shows. I'll be in the middle of my own awards acceptance and i'll be like you know i gotta i would like to finish this and thank everybody else but i need to go log off now <laughs> you keep my wife's name out of your fucking hang on <laughs> hang on i gotta go log off i'll be let me hold that yeah. thought there you go all right well so that's sack well i'm learning a lot today that's for sure but if you're ready we can move on to my concluding term which is one i'm really looking forward to i don't know about you Oh, yeah. I've been uh, I've been looking yeah. forward to you concluding since this started. That's very nice of you. <laughs> it's very nice and broad of you to be so giving. All right. So, m but my term is one that we're all familiar with. And the description and the explanation comes from todayifoundout.com. But I won't get into it yet. I'm first going to ask you if you maybe know. And as I'm doing words that have changed their meaning over time. And the term the that I want to pose to you finally, concludingly, is slut. What did slut mean originally? We all know what it means now, but what did it mean originally? What do you think? Well, originally, I actually know this one, so I feel bad about stealing your thunder, sure. which was an earlier phrase of ours. Mm -hmm. It was in the European times uh, during the, you know, when people were like uh, superstitious and, uh, you know, they weren't treating uh, women very well and accusing them of witchcraft and everything. Mm -hmm. In Eastern Europe, where all the Slavias are, uh, back then the Kosovo and Kosovians or whatever Kosovars. were against the, the Montenegrin women. Mm. And uh, they used to, uh, instead of burning their witches like we did or dropping them in the uh, in the in the lake to see if they floated in the witch dunkers they didn't have that kind of money they didn't have that kind of budget so uh, they didn't have extra wood and stuff and they didn't know about levers so they would bury them upside down uh with their butts in the air and then they would uh park their bicycles or their wheelbarrows in the in the slot where their butts were and and that became the term slots and then it was because their accent it became sluts <laughs> <laughs> but somehow it made its way into English as sluts. So the term for the, the slot came to mean the general witches. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's like one of those uh, English things with the rhyming stuff. <laughs> it's, it's cockney rhyming slang, except not at all. Uh, interesting. So somehow the term meaning witch came to, it's modern meaning of a woman who has sex with a lot of men. Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. The, the old term witch means a place to park your bicycle. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. You know, the language, it grows and changes in so many interesting, fun, and exciting ways. I'm so glad that we shared that with the audience. But that's not actually accurate. According to, to my research, you may have different research, and we can uh, include those links in the description below. But my definition or explanation for the origin of the term slut is a little different, and I, I will share it now. It comes, as I said, from todayifoundout.com, and here I will read it to you. Uh, slut originally didn't mean at all what it means today. For instance... In a diary from 1664, Samuel Pepys writes, Our little girl Susan is a most admirable slut, and pleases us mightily, doing more service than both the others and deserves wages better. 
In modern day terms, wow. this diary entry seems quite suggestive for a man to describe a servant girl such. Yes, it does. However, at this time, while the term had begun to take on a more suggestive connotation of woman with loose morals, it still also was commonly used with the original meaning, that of a messy, dirty, or untidy woman or girl. Because of this, it was frequently used at this time as a name for kitchen maids and servant girls, as Pepys was talking about in the above quote. The word first popped up in English with this latter slovenly definition around the 14th century, and by the 15th century had started to be used to describe promiscuous women as well. It also came to be a somewhat common term for an ugly woman, as in a quote from 1715, Nor was she a woman of any beauty, but was a nasty slut. <laughs> I gotta get through this. Was, okay. that, uh, was that Dickens? Was that Dickens? Or? <laughs> I think no, that's that's in Jane Austen. I think no, that's a little early for Jane Austen. In the 19th century in England, slut still retains something of its original meaning, even so far as garbage cans being called slut holes, <laughs> meaning a hole for rubbish. <laughs> this can be seen in a Saturday Review snippet from 1862. There are a good many slut holes in London to rake out. <laughs> I find myself saying that a lot. Oh, gotta rake out the slut holes. Jeez. All these slut holes. Much more recently, Helen Fielding in Bridget Jones' diary used the word slut with its original meaning. Check plates and cutlery for telltale signs of sluttish washing up. So the original meaning is still around, albeit much less commonly used now than the promiscuous definition. As to where the word slut came from, that isn't entirely known. It may have come from the German schlut, meaning slovenly woman, or the Swedish slata, meaning idle woman. So you got the right continent, Europe. So do you think this is that gets you off the hook somehow? You're like, you call some woman a slut today. You're like, no, no, no. I don't mean like a whore. I mean someone who's dirty and slovenly. <laughs> yeah. Well, just, just like, you know, a woman, like you're staying at a hotel and you get that knock on the door, housekeeping, and you're like, come on in, slut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> See, but this is the difficulty. If we ever do develop time travel and yeah. you can go back in time and you go back to like the 14th century and you're using the modern yeah. day definitions or vice versa, uh, you know, you could get in a lot of trouble. That's the main problem, yeah. I think, with time travel. You know what I would do if, if I go back into time travel? What? I would uh, have sex with Hitler's mom. Jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you take her name out of your guy, your motherfucking mouth. <laughs> what? <laughs> and why would you do Was she just because she was hot? I mean, it has nothing to do with anything else. She was just real. She was, she was sexy. <laughs> <laughs> just, I mean, you think about all the time people are like, I go back and kill Hitler. I'm like, you don't need to do that. Just go back and have sex with his mother. When, <laughs> this is before he's like, what exactly? What's the time frame? Yeah, exactly because because she's gonna she's gonna carry my baby, which tend to be pretty weighty babies. Jesus Christ! No, I do like the idea. <laughs> you want to go back and oh, I'll have sex, and then it turns out that so because you want your child to be Hitler. That is the eternal question, though, about like going and strangling Hitler as a baby, just like this person shows up, goes into this house, and just like <laughs> yeah, excuse me, where's the where's like the nursery? Uh, how do you say that in German? <laughs> ich bin ein nursery. Like, where is dein Schlot? Where is dein Schlot? And then just uh, yeah, no, I'll just be a minute. <laughs> Don't mind me. <laughs> yeah, that ba that crying baby, I'll take care of that. Yeah, these are always like saintly, like well-meaning people too. Tax-paying, law-abiding. Oh, I go back and kill Hitler. Like really, as an infant? Anywhere? Where are you gonna get him? Right, right, right while he's in there, right before he's about to go in the Anschluss. It's kind of tougher to to get to Hitler when he's a baby. It's a little easier. Yeah.
But I'm saying avoid the whole thing. I'm going to go ahead and have intercourse with his mom, and then we'll have a nice child. Anyway, let's move on. So you would have sex with his mother, and then that would swear her off of sex forever, so Hitler would never be born. There you go. I still, I do like, I just, I'm, but I am fond of, mostly I just like the quotes of using, uh, you know, our little girl Susan is a most admirable slut. <laughs> <laughs> and, and deserves wages better. That's the part I like best is that she deserves wages better than the others because she's a more admirable slut than them. I mean, she yeah. she goes above sure. and beyond that little slut. <laughs> so she's a good earner. She's a good earner. I tell you, when you're going around the third turn, she just she's noses ahead of the other. <laughs> yeah, I find it much easier to rake out the slut holes when she's around that that girl Susan. All right, so that's slut, and I thought that was amusing about the uh, the changing definition of slut over time and i think before we uh, we wrap up we have one more word uh, or term or whatever it is from from you to share with us do we not okay i got a couple of football quotes before i do the last one here and, okay uh, sure i'll read the quote you see if you can know who said it here uh it says uh, when you're good at something you tell everyone when you're great at something they tell you was that uh walter payton shannon sharp or the guy who ran the uh, towels there for the bears in 1984 uh i'll say shannon sharp yeah, it was Walter Payton said that. Walter one. Payton. That's, yeah, that's a good quote, right? If you're good at something that, that you tell everyone when you're great, they, they tell you. I wouldn't uh, know. If you want to win, do the ordinary things better than anyone else does them day in and day out. Was that Tom Landry? Tom Landry of the Cowboys, Chuck Knoll of the Pittsburgh Steelers, or the woman who played Flo in Mel's Diner? Uh, the show was called Alice, not Mel's Diner, and her name was yeah. Holly Holiday. Or she had a, a catchphrase. It was, uh, keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. Who was it? Who was it? That was, it was Chuck Knoll. Chuck, Chuck Knoll. Knoll. Chuck Knoll of Steelers. Yeah, okay, okay. Steelers. All right. Okay. And last one. Now, this one, this one's a famous one, so you probably know this one. It's not whether you get knocked down. It's whether you get up again. It's whether you get up. Was that Princess Leia, Mother Teresa, or Princess Diana? Or Vince Lombardi. I'm pretty sure that was uh, Ron Jeremy who said. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Anyway, so my last one, uh, Super Bowl, and your challenges, uh, where did it come from? So why do we call the NFL championship game the Super Bowl? Well, I mean, I know that we call football games bowls. Usually it's college games, you know, like the Cotton Bowl, the Orange Bowl, the and Weed Eater Bowl. I mean, <laughs> it was interesting when they figured out that they could sell the name of the bowl. It's like, yeah, yeah, the the sugar is not paying us to call this you know, the rose industry, the sugar industry, the orange, the cotton industry. They're not sponsoring us, so screw them. But uh, but the and Weed Eater, whatever that is, or Tostitos uh. Uh, Fiesta Bowl, the Playtex Maxi Pad Bowl. We can get these people to fund us, and so we'll call it whatever I'm they sorry, want. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I can't concentrate. I'm watching the Del Monte Pudding Cup Bowl. <laughs> So we already had it established as calling games bowls. But why do we call games bowls? I would guess it's because when you win, like you get a trophy and maybe you would get like a bowl. They have trophies that look like bowls. You know, because most trophies you just stick it on a shelf and or mantles and they, they just sit there. But a bowl, that's useful. You could eat soup out of it. <laughs> I got that for winning the Campbell's Soup Bowl. And now I use it to eat Campbell's Soup. It's, you know, it's a it's circle. You know, the circle of life, the circle of soup. So that's why they call it the Super Bowl, because it is the preeminent, the bowl to end all bowls. And so that's why they call it the Super Bowl. 
Well, uh, once again, you're absolutely right. But I like the idea that you're right. They, they probably did have bowls for a lot of trophies. The Stanley Cup is a big cup, so you can yeah. drink out of it, and people do, mm -hmm. and, and all that. And uh, I know that in the beginning, they used to have powder puff football, and they used to give the slut bowl. Yeah, the slut bowl, sure. And you could clean that out if you want to do. Yeah, <laughs> the slut hole like bowl. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was at the slut hole bowl. Who's going to clean out the slut hole bowl tonight? Anyway, so yes, uh, that's a good that's a good point. A lot of the the trophies and the awards are they have a cup or a bowl thing, which is kind of nice. Like you know, after your glory days are done and you're looking over it, and you're like, well, I could eat some cereal out of this. <laughs> sure. Well, it's like in boxing. Yeah. You know, they win a belt. And it's it's attractive, it's shiny, right. but it also you can use it to hold up your pants if yeah. you have extremely extremely wide belt loops. <laughs> <laughs> I found myself during COVID watching uh, this like 20 minute YouTube video or something about how they make the championship belts. And oh my gosh, the work that they put into these championship belts is insane. I'm like, just get them a belt, man. They just want the cash, don't they? Well, I mean, they have to be durable in the professional wrestling because they win them and then they use them to beat their opponents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Make sure those jewels stay encrusted. <laughs> Anyway, so the basketball titles goes with the NBA championship, rather bland moniker. Baseball has the World yeah. Series, which is a little bit mm -hmm. hyperbolic. Hockey has the Stanley Cup. Of course, that's uh, named after uh, Mort Stanley, who invented the Gentleman's Cup uh, to uh, protect from batted balls. Yeah, he was big in cod pieces. Yeah, <laughs> he moved over to cups. And then football is a Super Bowl. The AFL and the NFL leagues merged in the 60s so that Joe Namath could uh, do a lot of hair commercials. Mm -hmm. And they looked for a catchy name for the championship game. The first choice was the AFL-NFL World <laughs> Championship game of football. <laughs> so then Lamar Hunt, who was famous for cornering the soup market, uh, the silver market actually, came up with the term Super Bowl. After remembering the Super Bowl his kids played with. Yes, the Super Bowl is named after an ultra-bouncy toy ball. Wow, that is new information to me and a little disappointing, maybe? <laughs> and I didn't know that either. This is what I call the Alex Trebek effect, mm -hmm. which I take advantage all the time when I'm dating women. Mm -hmm. I start every date with like a quiz. I'm like, do you know the third highest mountain in the world? I do. And then I prep them and I'm here are the subjects I'm good at and stuff. Because what it turns out is the person who asks the question and knows the answer, like Alex Trebek, they automatically afford them more respect. They're like, oh, they, they, the guy who's really got his shit together. <laughs> yeah. And you can get that just by asking questions you already know the answer to. So that's how I deal with every interaction now. I get in a cab and I'm like, you know, the second largest uh, mountain range there in South America? Well, I do. I think I, I would like it better if you actually followed Alex Trebek's lead and, well, the late Alex Trebek's lead and said, it is the second largest mountain range in South America. And then you expect them to phrase their answer in the form of a question. Yeah, because then they can be wrong twice. That was the best part about Jeopardy. You could be like, you could have the right answer. Like, I'm sorry, you didn't say it the right way. You didn't say mother may I, you moron. Yeah, that's, yeah. The host is like, uh, oh, I'm sorry. No, that's incorrect. You also didn't phrase your, your answer in the form of a question. And this is Wheel of Fortune. What is the Statue of Liberty play? <laughs> What is a slut hole? <laughs> I'd like to solve the puzzle, Alex. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say slut hole. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's, it's bringing home the bacon. No, I'm out. sorry. The, the correct answer is you get my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. <laughs> oh, my God. 
goodness. So the only thing I know about Super Bowls, Walt, that I think is interesting is that the Yankees third baseman in the early 70s, he broke his bat and whereupon like six Super Bowls rolled out of the barrel of the bat because he had drilled a hole in it, presumably, put the Super Bowls, like it's corking his bat, but instead he used Super Bowls because he thought that would, would work. I think he might have hit a home run earlier in the game, but that's a tough one to play off, like... How did those get there? Oh, there's the first time I've seen those. The association of Super Bowls and professional sports uh, has a long and storied history, it turns out. What gave it away that is like uh, after he hit the home run, his bat bent at like a 90 degree angle and just kept (laughs) back and forth. Yeah, he flipped the bat down on the ground and it bounced 30 feet in the air. Wait a minute, that's not right. (laughs) So that's the Super Bowl. Well, you've illuminated us on... Uh, these football-related terms that are you know, touchdown, sack, and Super Bowl. I think that our listeners who are also football aficionados, they will have a whole new understanding and appreciation of the sport. Maybe not so much when you become an owner and run the old Statue of Liberty every time. <laughs> yeah, and, and for those that have a latent hostility against the female uh, portion of the species, they're also going to find something in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> they're very nice. They're nice broads. They're nice broads. They're sluts. I have nothing but nice things to say about these sluts and broads. Oh, jeez. All right, well, so that, that's it. We're done, folks. Unless you have any uh, closing thoughts, Mr. Wolfram, I will... Uh, sure. Uh, Malcolm's email address <laughs> is... So uh, I just want to thank you all for listening to the Words Between Friends podcast. If you found the show tolerable, you're practically guaranteed to be able to sit through the other podcast curtain I do, Quality Control Purposes, in which we read letters written to advice columnists, provide our own answers, and critique the professional advice givers. Available wherever you enjoy other top-notch podcasting products. But even though this perfectly nice episode is done, we leave you, as always, with our solemn pledge that the next time we will do better. Hey, thanks for listening. But before you go, if you enjoyed this podcast, go ahead and leave us a five-star rating and a glowing review. Or, if you didn't enjoy it, well, give us five stars and a glowing review anyway. Why should you be the only one who suffers? And also, be sure to check out the other podcasts Kurt and I do, Quality Control Purposes, where we critique professional advice columnists' responses to letter writers, and the Not For Nothing podcast, which is less structured, more contentious, and often quickly devolves into bickering over long-held grievances between the two hosts.